But you know what? I got a big red, blaring red screen when I went to that site. Yes. Google Chrome said, this is a bad place to go. <laughs> Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 71. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here as usual with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Great. And this is where you ask how I'm doing. Oh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm a little under the weather. Been out of the office uh, a few days this week. I know, you're, I know you've missed me. We have. Uh, we are going to talk about the Equifax breach that was disclosed yesterday that is is pretty mind-blowing on a number of levels, and we'll, we'll try to touch on all of them. But uh, yeah, I was not looking forward to this. I thought we were gonna come in here, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, nice quiet Friday afternoon, nice warm, nice weather day here in the New England area, and I thought, you know, we'll talk about the Dragonfly 2.0 report, or we'll, we'll talk about something else, and no, no, we, we, we have the we have the Equifax breach, and look, Peter, data breaches are a dime a dozen these days, right? Pretty much. I mean, they happen all the time, and I, I think we're getting desensitized. Like, I hate I hate using that like data breach desensitization, and people don't care anymore because I I don't I don't I don't like the way that that's portrayed. I'm not sure that it's true, and I don't want to believe it's true. I like to take an optimistic view, even though I'm I am the resident pessimist in this in this podcast studio. I am the Chernobyl pessimist. You're the optimist. I wouldn't go that far. You're more optimistic than me, which which uh, charts you as an optimist. Got it. But man, this breach compared to some of the other ones we've seen recently is it's bad, and it's not just the breach. And again, we'll, we'll get into this in a bit. It's sort of the response. It's the post-breach response. And that may actually be more troubling to me than the, than the sort of the entirety of the, of the intrusion and the hack and, and everything that's, that's been sort of disclosed by Equifax. So it's bad. It is. And I'm not sure if, if you're planning on touching on this, but the thing that, that broils my backside about this whole thing is there's nothing that I could have done to prevent it. Yeah. I mean, nothing. I, I, I can't choose not to use Equifax. Yeah. Well, let's start there. I mean, for those that don't know, Equifax is one of the big three. Big three credit reporting bureaus. They, they chart all of your, like, yes, they chart all of your, your financial credit activity they record it when someone does a credit check on on you they go through one of these three agencies equifax experian and trans union and you're not uh, and many people have pointed this out we're not breaking any news here this has been all over the the, the twitter sphere it, both in the mainstream news and in the infosec twitter sphere we're not customers we don't do it. like we're, like we're just we're just consumers and they own us they, they do, they have, they have all this data on us. They have our names, our addresses, our social security numbers, birth dates, address history. I mean, there's just reams of information, which anyone would tell you that knew anything about InfoSec, that these, these big three, they're huge targets. 
for, for, for cyber criminals and for nation state hackers that want to obtain information to commit whatever. I mean, th think of the possibilities that, that like ob obtaining the level of personal data that, that was exposed in this attack. Think of what you could do with it. And maybe we should back up. We should specify what was what was taken and, and sort of the details around this. What was the, what was the number, Peter? 143 million consumers. U.S. consumers, Americans. Also, and, also some Canadians. Some Canadians. We don't care about and Canadians people from and, the UK. and people in the U.K. All due respect to our, our, our brethren at Computer Weekly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We do care. Uh, but we got enough problems on our, uh, with, with our own uh, uh, population here with 143 million. I mean, that's, to put it in perspective, I think Experian suffered a breach two years ago, almost two years ago. And I think 15 million people were exposed in that attack. You've had um, other attacks where, you know, healthcare records, 40 million, 50 million. This is 143 million. This is, what did we settle on? It was nearly half the population of, of the United States. Right. It's um, it's also more than half of the adult population. That's troubling. So uh, the thing that gets me is they cover they cover pretty much everybody who has a credit card, a loan for a car, yep. a mortgage. Yep. Um, I'm going to guess utility subscriber. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is why weren't more people exposed? Not not or, that I want them. To I know be. not that you want that, but I had that question as well. So let's let's walk through this. So so yesterday, Equifax goes public, data breach notification, a public letter on their website, and a video from their CEO and uh, Chairman Rick Smith. Uh, there's been a cybersecurity incident. It's exposed the data of 143 million U.S. consumers. The data includes consumers' names, birthdays, social security numbers, addresses, even some driver's license, and in some sort of narrow instances, I think they said around 200,000 uh, uh, credit card numbers or consumers' credit card numbers were potentially exposed and accessed by the intruders. And um, dispute documentation, like if you if you go to your credit rating agency of choice and you say, I, I didn't make this isn't my card or this isn't my transaction or this isn't my address you can send in documentation that says you know whatever so and and there was PII related to these dispute documentations that was exposed for about 182,000 consumers so it's not just you know the names and birth dates social security numbers and addresses of, of the majority but that is the big that's the big net and again I mean Peter how many how many different places how many different websites services companies that that you use healthcare financial services use some like your birth date or your social security number as a form as a verification factor way too many yeah way too many our and I'm not going to say who our our you know retirement 401k you know provider is here but I guarantee you I don't even have to say who it is because I bet probably most of them use social security numbers as an identifying factor to log in or to verify your account, whether you want to change your password or um, whether you want to you know, uh, uh, recover an account, whatever. That's really troubling. And you know, you pointed out not too long ago that I think 
you know, there was reports about Apple getting rid of the thumbprint um, touch ID verification for future iPhones. I mean, social security numbers, you can get a new social security number, but not 143 million. That's essentially a static piece of, of data for most Americans. And if you do get a, um, I haven't gone through this for uh, uh, business reasons some long time ago, you can get a, another credit, uh, another social security number for a business, for yes. example. Um, but it's linked to your social. Yes. So you're kind of, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of. <laughs> That's the, important. The, 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 I think the, the problem is that for so long, the social security number has been considered a, a, an, an authentication factor when it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have to keep it secret because it's not secret anymore. Yeah, name, address, social security number, birthday. Those are, those are four primary identification factors that we, we have, we, we've used for a litany of things over the years. And, you know, it's long been hypothesized or, or argued that a lot of the breaches that we've seen of healthcare institutions, for example, one of the reasons that they've been breached is because they hold a lot of that, that personally identifiable information, the PII. And social security numbers are a big one, huge one. And now all this data is apparently out in the open. And, and why? This is troubling. This is really troubling. So according to the company, the data breach was a result of an unspecified web application vulnerability. And your, your immediate thought, Peter, was? SQL injection. <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> but it wasn't even my in initial thought. Because within minutes of the news breaking on Twitter, people were conjecturing that it's a SQL injection uh, problem. And, and and there were, you know, people have been saying, oh, we've been digging in and we've found some pieces of information. I don't think it's worth going into all the details of that because that's going to, that, we're going to figure out what's correct and what's incorrect starting probably sure. Monday. But, yeah. but still, I mean, the there were there were people tweeting out uh, copies of of links to ads for uh, new job positions at Equifax mm -hmm. that were uh, around security and doing um, you know re-implementing security things. I think w was one of the one that's, of the, the thrusts of those firings. Well, but they should have been doing this all along, right? I mean, yeah. they should have been they should have staying on top of it. And we've talked about this kind of breach before, right? Yeah, we have. And I mean, didn't you have a wager or are we going to talk about that later? Well, we're going to talk about that because you, you know, going back to the whole theme of you being the optimist and me being the pessimist, <laughs> I feel like you should get a little, uh, you should get a little applause for, for, for that. You should get some credit for that. Credit, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, yeah, they can't see the air quotes. No, they can't. Yeah. They can't. Yeah, I guess I should, I should say when I'm doing air quotes. I'll probably be doing air quotes a lot in about five seconds as I divulge uh, or, or delve into the the breach response, breach notification. But did you have another thought before we turn to that? Well, on the breach notification, I know that you're gonna, you, you're coming in hot on that. Yeah. But I do wanna note that in the video of uh, Equifax CEO and, and chairman, yes, he did apologize. He did, which he, it was a very- Which is more than, than some. <laughs> it's, a, I mean, 
maybe they did everything else wrong. Yeah. I, I don't know. The, the, the breach response is not complete yet. But, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that they did do. Yeah. I, I you know, it doesn't, doesn't help me. No, not really. It, it I mean, doesn't make I, me feel better I, either. I got to say, I, I, in taking a step back, I, I don't want to kill Equifax for the statement that they made and the and the video statement from Rick Smith, because the because the information they put out is not it's it's not nothing. They they say with reasonable confidence what they thought happened. And they they know, and this is this is important. I kind of poo pooed it at the time and dismissed it and said, "Well, what does this matter?" They said the companies found no evidence of unauthorized activity on Equifax's core consumer commercial credit reporting databases. And I said, "What does that what does that matter? The hackers already got the PII. They got the social security numbers and and birth dates, etc. For 143 million Americans. So what does that matter? It does matter because what if a hacker gets in those databases? What can they do?" Are you asking? I am asking you. Oh, well, which databases? Let's say they get into a consumer credit reporting database. So that's got all the... And they have read-write access. Uh, well, let's just let's just say they have read access. Yeah. Because I don't... I, I'm going to start crawling into a corner and cry <laughs> if they can write. But the, so if they have... Um, I'll, I'm going to shout out to uh, Roxy D, who yes. is a, um, a cybersecurity professional who I follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. She's great. Um, she she pointed out something which I was aware of vaguely because it happened to me. When you call up a bank or, or a financial institution and they want to verify things, oftentimes they'll look at your credit reports, yes. your credit histories, yep. and say, well, what was the amount of the check? the last time you paid your utility bill. Yep. And you tell them, and they say, oh, okay, you're you. Because they figure that that's information that only the consumer would have and, yep. the, and the company that, that you're paying it to. So, um, so, yeah, if you have access to all of that credit history. You can use those as verifying factors. Exactly. Yeah. So not only does it just, not only is the task of, uh, of, of, um, account managers who are, who are uh, granting credit or whatever, um, it's no longer enough to say, what's your mother's maiden name, birth right, date, right. Uh, uh, social security number. And it's not even enough to go back to where they were before, where they could use credit history exactly. events to verify you. Now they've got to come up with some other idea because right now, if I'm, an atta- if I'm, if I'm a, a hacker and I've got access to this database and I find somebody with a a nice juicy bank account somewhere, then there's nothing to stop me from going in and opening up a line of credit in in some you know some poor schmo's name. Yeah. And then what? Uh, yeah, and let's and that's only if they had read access. If they had write access, they could start manipulating the the actual credit reports, credit scores, credit history. They could wipe it clean. I mean, I don't want to get into sort of hyperbole here and start talking you know mr robot type hacks but that wasn't that wasn't that the whole or i shouldn't say anything well the spoiler alert yeah i mean his first season (laughs) is basically you know that that's sort of kind of what happened i think with the whole iron mountain or whatever right the, the the central hack to season one anyway 
that there's no evidence that that happened. So that's 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 good. We should we should note that. But now, on the flip side of that, how in the world did were were there data files floating around through the 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 Equifax network that had all this information apparently unprotected, unencrypted? I would I would I would expect if those files were encrypted or protected somehow, password protected, they would have said that, but they, they haven't said anything of that nature. They just said they, ga they gained access to certain files, data files that had this information in them. That's, I mean, that's incredible to me. And, you know, they said that the intrusion, they've narrowed it down, the unauthorized access occurred from mid-May to July. So, I mean, that's a long time to start combing through and downloading and, and, and collecting information. It's kind of staggering. I mean, on one hand, I'm glad that they detected the intrusion. I'm not sure how. I mean, there's a lot of questions about that. But on the other, that's that's still a long time. And, and someone brought this up, and I, I, I quoted them in our story that we wrote about this. Equifax deals with with credit card numbers and, and financial information, they're, they're probably under PCI DSS requirements. Maybe. They probably have to be com compliant. Yeah, I mean, I think they, because they take credit cards for, uh, I think to put it, a hold on. Yeah, no, but not only that, I think if you wanna buy like a, a service for, from them or pay for something, a, a, like a full credit report or whatever, mm. uh, I think you have to, you, I mean, you pay them. Like they don't—they're not, not charity. They're not doing this for free. So Maury Haber, uh, vice president of technology at uh, Beyond Trust, they're a big identity management vendor. He wrote a blog post about this, and he specifically called attention to PCI DSS. And he he kind of questioned, like, how, how like if these files were floating around with all of this data and it was unprotected, well, were they PCI DSS compliant? What did their last? I mean, I know we talked about this last week. The you know the Verizon report, PCI DSS companies that were fully compliant. Uh, well, let me back up. They, if if I remember this correctly, Verizon said that between 2010 and 2016 there were close to a 300 uh, payment card data breaches that they investigated. And it, and what was the data point? It was not one was. None of them were compliant. Yeah, none of them were fully PCI DSS compliant at the time of the breach. That's a that's a really good question that we should be asking uh, Equifax. I mean, uh, the timing on this couldn't be more. <laughs> hey, that report just came out. We just we just recorded a podcast about it last week, and here we are saying, well, what's sort of the PCI compliance picture here? Did they did they do their due diligence? How were these how were these files? And this PII data, like, it, was it just sitting there? Were they just in Word docs or Excel docs? I mean, God. Well, why are they anywhere near an an outward facing internet connection? I don't know. I have no I idea. Mean, I, I'm not. I mean, again, the, the, like reading through this letter, the the details about about where these files were, and you know, they don't even specify what web application was vulnerable. So we don't know if it was a SQL injection. We don't we don't know what it was, but Man, that's. I do want to point one out one thing. Go. Okay. The event started in May. Yep. And it was discovered in July. July 29th. Okay. Now, um, 
I'd have to go in and dig up the DBIR report, but oh. um, someone on Twitter commented that the the a recent Verizon DBIR report says that it takes an average of six months to detect an intrusion. Yeah, yeah. So if that's true, and if it took them just two months to detect the intrusion, yeah, you got to give them a little bit of credit. I mean, May, June, July, three months, but. So, that's half the time it normally takes. That's that is important to know. Right. It doesn't make it any of the other stuff any better, especially if, you know, if it was something, you know, some OWASP top ten yeah. uh, flaw vulnerability that they left open because they just weren't bothering with it. That would be really bad, and we'll find out hopefully in the next, uh, you know, as as we go forward. But but I did want to before. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. That was that was that was a good note, and and we should turn to the the sort of the overall breach response before we run out of time here. Because okay, the 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 breach is bad, the web app thing is bad. We don't know what the web app is. We don't know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hey, they found it within three months. Good. The the core databases with all the credit reporting wasn't touched, or they don't think it was touched. That's good. So the positives. Okay, let's turn to the negatives. <laughs> For a minute, because we'll, it seems we'll, to me we'll need more than a minute. I'll probably need more than a minute. It seems to me that if I may sort of paint a picture, there's a there's a bad. Imagine there's a bad data breach response tree, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's all these little branches about things you shouldn't do when you're hit with a data breach. It feels like, and I'm not, I'm not. I hope I hope I'm not going too far with this. It feels like Equifax is like tumbling down and trying to hit like literally every branch on its way down. <laughs> it's like it's. I mean, it really. I I know, and I want to say for the record, I know. There's been a lot of talk lately about like, oh, don't do infosec shaming. Don't do all like Alex Damos, Facebook CSO. He did his whole Black Hat keynote, and he talked a little bit about how we need to help people. We need, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but maybe we shouldn't be so snarky on Twitter and, and, and social media about this. We should we should be more positive and productive and not, not just sit back and make jokes. Okay, yes. But I don't know how you can see some of the stuff that's gone on here and not, like, I, I make jokes so that I don't cry, okay? Because what I'm looking at here, it's it's like, it's like watching Airplane. I mean, like, seriously. It's like watching the movie Airplane, Airplane, exclamation point. Except it's not a joke. Like, it's... So, so, Peter, they set up a website for people to check whether or not they were breached. And how do you check whether or not you were, like, your information, your social security number was exposed? What do you have to put in? Social security. Of well, course. But just the last six. Of course. Just the last six. So. Just the last. <laughs> just the last six digits. And if you got your, oh if you got your God. your social security number before 2011, oh. there were, they were distributed across uh, geographically. So if somebody knows where you were born, um, when you were or or when you got your uh, social security number, which for most people, not everybody. But for most people, you get your social security number around the time you're born. They, they, they yeah. shoot it out. Yeah, yeah. And if somebody knows that, that you were born, let's say, in Albuquerque in 1947, yeah. 
there's there's a limited number of right first the, three digits. First three digits. Yeah. Yep. There's so. there's identifiers and it, so, but okay. So th- th- that's I mean that was a small thing in the in the in the big picture of s- sort of the, the the stumbles here. It it gets worse. It gets a lot worse. Uh, okay. In fact, let me back up. Uh, so the breach response. So so they detected the breach with in under six months, under three months, I guess. But they didn't disclose the breach that they detected on July 29th until September 7th. Does that seem a little long to you? Yeah. I mean, yes. I'm, and and having knowing the uh, what I know about GDPR under the general data protection regulation that's set to take effect in the European Union. I was just going to ask. April 2018. You are Mr. GDPR. Go. (laughs) I believe they have 72 hours to disclose. (laughs) That 72-hour deadline is hell and gone. (laughs) Like that that waved bye-bye back in, you know, the height of summer. Right. Right. (laughs) And and the... When you, when you mentioned it, about... I mean, it's football oh, season now. Yeah. <laughs> if you say so. I'll take your word yeah, for that. Okay. But but the thing is that, um, yeah, they the GDP, the, under the GDPR, there's rules about how you handle data, first of all, and how you comply with it, and how you, you, know, how you prove that you're compliant, and also it all boils down to if something ha- does happen, you've got you've to move very quickly. Yeah. And you've got to have... Uh, infrastructure in place to accept, you know, yeah. to, to to put this information out. I I, I waited till this morning to to look at the um, at the website, which is not on a Equifax domain, by no, the way. No, no. Which, which would make it a little bit less likely to be uh, uh, mistaken for a phishing site. But you know what? I got a big red, blaring red screen when I went to that site. Yes. Google Chrome said. This is a bad place to go. <laughs> I clicked on more information. It said there's been phishing attempts on this uh, domain. Uh. You really don't want to go there. And to be honest, yeah, I'm just going to assume that I'm that, that I'm affected, as probably most people that I that we know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I want to take proper steps. I, I mean, so so this site, this this site, the the domain. I mean, there's almost too many things to sort of to, to summarize here. It's, it's so problematic. In, in the breach notification letter on the website, it says, it says, you know, don't worry, I'm paraphrasing again, but we've set up this website. It's called EquifaxSecurity2017.com. Okay, that sounds like a phishing domain. That's number one. Number one, it just, that sounds bad. That sounds like an easily spoofable, but whatever. Number two, the site looks... I mean, it looks fake. Like it looks like if someone presented this to me and I didn't know any better, I'd be like, that's fake. <laughs> that's a scam. That's number two. Number three, it runs on WordPress of all the content management systems that you could use right now. Why? Why? They don't have, they don't have something on their own domain. They can't get something new. They can't. I, I, I WordPress. And it's and it's out of the box WordPress. Yeah, yeah, it's out of the box WordPress. It's like they're like, ah, oh, we need to spin up a website. Let's do something e- quick and easy. Let's use <laughs> WordPress. That's great, guys. 
That's great. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, other outlets have pointed this out. There, the Ars Technica did a, 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 a big piece on this. They pointed out that the TLS certificate on the website doesn't perform the proper revocation checks. <laughs> so that's number three. Um, number four, other people have pointed this out. The, the, the domain, the Equifax Security 2017 domain, isn't even registered to Equifax. <laughs> they don't even... Oh my God, uh, it, it's just incredible. Like you said, if you're on Chrome, you're gonna get a warning. Like a lot of people are gonna get a warning saying, don't go there. So for the people that wanna check that they're, you know, whether or not their, their data is in the wild, you know, they're getting, they're getting a block saying, don't, go, don't, don't click on this. There's phishing activity. So another, another one that, that a lot of people mentioned yes. was, um, if you click through and it says that and, and you accept their offer of, of quote unquote oh, protection, yeah, I saw this. Yeah. you waive your right to uh, join a, a, a class action suit. You, yeah. you, you submit to arbitration, which is always in favor of the company. Yeah. Um, it never favors the, the right, consumer. Right. Um, although I've heard other reports that say that there's a way to opt out of that opting out. But hey, that makes things really That's it, complicated. It definitely clouds. I mean, yeah, they, so they, they make this big show in, in, the, in the letter. And again, you know, Smith says he apologizes. It seems sincere. You know, he says in, in a very, what appears to be a very earnest way, hey, we acted immediately to stop the, I'm quoting now, quote, we acted immediately to stop the intrusion. We promptly engaged a leading cybersecurity firm, which has been conducting a comprehensive forensics uh, a f review to determine the scope of the intrusion. This is a disappointing event for our company and one that strikes the heart of who we are and what we do. And then they go on, he goes on to say, and the letter says, you know, we're going to give you free credit, you know, and identity theft protection services through our trusted ID service for a year and, and you know, all that. But to get that service, you've got you've to agree to the terms of service that say you can't sue. And also, you're not signed up for anything until you go back in a few days. Yeah, that's, that's another. It's, it's just a whole, it's a clunky, clunky process. And and I guess, I mean, that, if that's not the coup de grace, then the report, Bloomberg News issued a report basically, um, they, they found out, and this is public record. So, you know, again, we're not breaking any news here. It's, it's, it's shocking to me, but three top executives. So the, the breach was discovered, uh, the intrusion was discovered on July 29th. Uh, Bloomberg discovered regulatory uh, regulatory filings that show on August 1st, the CFO and two other high-ranking executives sold close to 100 uh, or to 1.8 million dollars worth of their stock in the company. Two days two days after the breach was detected, and and the company is basically the company line is the the the, the statement is well they didn't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you you can never tell, but it was the CFO. So you're telling me the CFO didn't know about a major breach that was going to potentially cost them billions. And the other two guys or were... Or millions. I don't know about billions. It, eh, it's maybe. possible that... I mean, their stock price is pretty big. Uh, yeah, I guess total well, it was. cost. Yeah. The, the other thing that I, that I found... Well, okay, so CFO and also a couple of uh, top executives in the line of... Uh, IT areas. Yeah, I think I think one of them was yeah. And another interesting uh, data point that came out was that one of the guys 
exercised a bunch of options and then immediately turned around and sold all this all the shares that he bought. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. It's it's not a good look. It's definitely suspicious. Um, but the fact that they went ahead and did it and knew it was going to be public record. I mean, I, I tweeted this the other day, but I mean, well, yesterday, right? It's yeah, yesterday. I guess it feels like it's been you know a week since this this happened because I've I've just been so consumed with it. I've just been so <laughs> out of my mind with this. I mean, I guess they just. They said, uh, uh, you know, we can go ahead and do this and, and th they don't fear any sort of repercussion, regulatory or, or law enforcement repercussion. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's assuming that, they, that, they, that they, they did know and they acted upon the information that they had been breached. But we don't know that and I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of uh, a scrutiny about this. We'll, we'll see if it comes to anything. It probably won't. Uh, see, I'm a pessimist, Peter. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that I'm more optimistic about anything coming of it. No, you are, because because now that we've we've I think we've we've covered adequately the uh, the Experian, or not Experian, the uh, Equifax breach. Uh, I should note that you won our bet a few uh, a few weeks back. We did a podcast about the um, all the all the AWS. Uh, uh, simple storage service exposures, people putting valuable databases, military uh, contractors putting confidential data, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you, we set the over under of more breaches or exposures found by UpGuard and, and, and Chris Vickery, uh, AKA the Tavis Ormandy of uh, AWS exposures. Uh, we, I think we set that at two and a half and I took the over and you took the under and you won because I think we set it end of August and uh, you just made it. So I owe you lunch. You took the optimistic view and you won. Awesome. <laughs> I, I'm still not 100% certain of how that all worked, but hey, I'm not turning down lunch. Well, it, it's all in the recording. So okay, you, as long as as long as there's proof, there there is documented proof. Okay. Anyway, Good. congratulations. Thank you. And congratulations to you having us sit here and listen to me uh, vent about <laughs> about this breach. Hey, I'm getting paid, right? Yeah, but so. I mean, I, I guess in closing, I mean, if anything sort of goes to the heart of like the whole risk and repeat podcast. I mean, when we started this last year, talking about what we wanted to do with this podcast and, and sort of the core the core approach that we wanted to highlight and sort of discuss why we keep making the same mistakes and the same blunders and why we don't seem to be learning anything when it comes to InfoSec and just re re repeated oh, mistakes, mistake after mistake. This is a classic example. This is one of the best we've had. And oh man, we're just gonna be I, I know more details are going to come out about this. I know we're going to find out, okay, what was the web application? I think we're going to find out. What was the web application? What were, where, what were the nature of these files? How was the data accessed, et cetera, et cetera, you know, et cetera. Are we sure that none of the core databases were, were infiltrated? But for now, this is, wow, this is one of the worst. I mean, really one of the worst. I don't think that's hyperbole. Um, no, I think I agree. Yeah. Well, Peter, thank you for joining me in this uh, ultra hot episode. <laughs> hey, it's always it's always great to be here. 
Thank you. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.